going to be drilling, like, or some sort of sound in the background. Why can't we live every in the single countryside? Time? Yeah, we should go to the countryside to film, to record, and have you know, just go and sit in a field mm. and have like our own little soundproof studio. Bianpod al fresco. <laughs> we could do. Drilling. Um, do you know what? I should start by going holes. outside. Yeah, they're drilling holes. Go out and, and put the drill through that, that workman's head. He's only, doing, he's only doing his job, Paul. Yeah, oh, well. Very aggressive and violent. We're only doing our job. And we're not interrupting him, are we, by going out there and trying to do a podcast? Well, you his, would be if you By were doing drilling. a podcast in his hole. <laughs> <laughs> You'd be interrupting him by drilling a hole through his neck. Yeah, true. Hello and welcome to Between You and Me, a Marillion podcast presented by me, Paul Rose, and my dear wife, Sanya. Hello. How are you, Sanya? <laughs> your Very foot? well. My foot is getting better. I still can't put a normal shoe on it. <laughs> and I still can't put all my weight on it, but I can limp much quicker than oh, before. Good. Imagine if you were Cinderella. And Prince Charming came up and tried to put the glass slip on your foot and saw what was on the bottom of it. And went, Ugh! <laughs> <laughs> blister. The blister's gone down, though. And my toes aren't swollen anymore. <laughs> Sorry, this everyone. This is great. Great content. <laughs> and I'm not in pain, so I don't have to like live on painkillers. Mm. So it's good. It's all good. Quali- all good in the hood. Quality Marillion content. This is what people want. So uh, we've got some Marillion news, because this is what happens now at the start of our episodes. We've got an hour before it's dark news. I want to keep calling it an hour before I die. That's really grim. Yeah, but that's what the album's about. Well, when I... Hang on a minute. The day that the title was released, and I assumed that that's what the album was about, you didn't agree with me. No, I said I didn't know if it was a concept album. What? Is it a concept album? I don't. I don't I, think they said think it was a concept a, I don't think album. It's a, no, I don't either. That's why. Oh. I said, that's why I said I didn't think the album was about that. Oh, okay. But now you've just said that's what the album's oh, about. Oh, I meant the song "Care." The song "Care" is. Oh, the the song "Care." Right. Oh, okay. We know there's yeah, themes of mortality okay. and the end of the world. And yes. All the rest of it. We know that. Mm-hmm. And there's a song on there called Moida Machines. <laughs> when they made a machine, it was Moida. <laughs> and I was out to Moida everyone. It, it was Moidering to the left. It was Moidering to the right. It was a Moida machine. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, before, though, I get to the Marilla News. Marilla News. Mm-hmm. Um, News Kings. I was trying to think of a pun that we could call uh, our news segment. News Kings. <laughs> it's really awkward. Marillion News Kings. So you can hear me rustling my news, my like news reader. Like a do. proper news reader. News Kings. Is yeah. there something? Is there a song that that can sound like update? Update. That's mm. not. That's not spend ages trying to think right. of a pun. We should probably do that sort of thing off. off yeah, we probably should. So before before we get into it, I just want to do a shout out to um, the Progressive Palaver podcast who have been saying some nice things about us. So thank you, chaps. Go all go and listen to Progressive Palaver. They uh, they're also doing their own run through of Marillion albums and also Fish Solo albums, which is great because oh, wow. it means we don't have to do it. Yes, it's a fine podcast. Uh, they do like the kind of prog that we're not 
quite as keen on. Well, that's excellent. That's because excellent. Then they can cover that side of... I haven't checked, but they've probably done Transatlantic, which we have uh, slightly skipped over. <laughs> I thought we were going to do it. No, we had to, we were going to do it and then have Anthony on. Because yeah. he, can, he it was, likes it them. It was pre-anarachnophobia. We can we can do it post anorak. Let's do that next. Yeah. Or why am I suggesting it? Uh, what am I thinking? Oh, come back I, for us, Sanya, having listened to the first Transatlantic album. Did, wow. Wow. Did I just actually suggest that? All right, we're gonna do it. <laughs> Instant regret. So much for. But us. we have to get Anthony on because right. he will give sing his praises. He'll give him. He'll turn it into a more balanced podcast. Yeah. If yeah, we we've, we've done enough negativity. Yeah. Of late. Uh, yeah. Look but, at me already assuming I'm not going to like it. <laughs> you listened to it in the car and didn't like it. Oh, so. it's, it's that album? Yeah. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. I might be a grower. Well. I doubt it. <laughs> we'll see, <laughs> won't we? Uh, so, anyway, on to the Marillion News. Mark Kelly's done an interview with uh, the Progressive Aspect website. Oh. In which he dropped some fact bombs about the new album. Oh, yes, you mentioned this to me the other day. Yes, I did. But so you didn't tell me his fact bombs. <laughs> fact bomb, fact bomb, here's a fact bomb. Turn you on. Fact bomb, fact... I'll stop that. <laughs> lovely. Love. That was lovely. Uh, so um, he's, asked, he's asked about the album's runtime, which I thought was interesting. Yeah, what did he uh, say? Is he allowed to give this information? He's given it away. Lucy didn't. Oh, no. Because she, uh, she says some of the, the timings might change. Mark, to his credit, didn't wasn't specific, but he did give an, us an idea. So he says, um, Murder Machines is about six or seven minutes. Murder Machines! Those machines are murder! Uh, Reprogram the Gene is the shortest, about five minutes. Mm-hmm. Care... Is a 15 minute track, which we knew oh, already. The epic. Sierra Leone is about 10. Mm-hmm. The Crow and the Nightingale is about 8 or 9. Mm-hmm. Uh, there are two shorter songs and the rest of the usual longer episodic type Meridian songs. We know that uh, Be Hard on Yourself is 8 or 9 minutes. So it's an album of longish songs. And how are you feeling about that? As long as, as, long as they earn their length. I've always said this. Uh, you know, so I as lo- long as they're edited appropriately. Yeah. So what we got six songs. One's fifteen minutes. One's five. So that's twenty minutes there. The rest, uh, the remaining four, forty minutes. So let's say we're looking at about an hour for the album. That's about standard, just isn't under, it? perhaps just under an hour. Um, which is yeah, it, it is shorter though than Fear. How long was Fear? Just over an hour. So it's a shorter album this time. Right. So uh, glad to know those six years were worth the wait. <laughs> That's a joke. <laughs> what were you expecting? Like About four, that. Four four-hour albums. I did wonder whether they'd go for a really short one because Mark Kelly's been banging on about how 40-minute albums are the, the dream. Right. And his album was about 40, 45, something like that. His marathon. Um so yeah, he doesn't like albums that outstay their welcome, and of course, misplaced their most successful album was only about forty-two minutes, something mm. like that. So it's it's not about the length; it's 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 about it's the about, quality. Yes, isn't it, dear? Yes, isn't it? <laughs> Why are you saying it like that? Sometimes it's about 
both. <laughs> it's about how you use the time. Yes, the time. Uh, so he's uh, he's obviously asked uh, he's, he's asked about you know what the album sounds like. Yeah. And he, he trots out the same quotes that they're all or the same words that they're all using to describe it. So upbeat, rockier, heavier, heavier. Oh, I'm not sure I've heard heavier before. Uh, but <laughs> we watched that live stream with Ian and Lucy, didn't we? Yes, we did. Where that on Facebook. came up, uh, and Ian was a bit baffled by it being described as upbeat because he sort of said in his mind, upbeat is something like Slipknot, which obviously is a very different sort of upbeat mm. <laughs> to perhaps have a really Maybe enjoy. they meant. It's livelier. Well, get this. Yeah, heavier though. Oh yeah, heavier. But Mm. but get this then. So then Mark goes on to say, um, the new album is a bit like the Levers. It's got something of the energy of that first part of the Levers, but it's also quite a guitar album. So that first part of the Levers, after I read that, I listened to that first part of the Levers, which I absolutely adore that first Yeah, I love it too, but I wouldn't call it, Beat. No, it's got a kind of drive to it. Mm. it. It has a drive to it, but it's not heavy or rocky. Yeah. Uh, so I just wonder whether they think that is, you know. Maybe someone should ask them to give an example of upbeat songs. Well, they just have the beginning of the Levers, oh, right. which ain't my idea. Yeah, that's not my idea of upbeat uh, at all. So I don't know. Maybe they just, yeah, and as Lucy said, to uh, yeah, on well to us directly. Mm. Yeah, is it though? Is it really? Is it really heavy and upbeat and <laughs> rocky? Is it really? It's heavy for them. Yeah, for them, it's you know, and their idea of it is clearly very different to what I have in my head mm. when they say that. So, uh, what else does he talk about? Uh, he um, this was interesting as well. He asked, uh, when. well, I'll just read it out, what he says, the direct quote. He says, when we were deciding what would go on the album, there was a bunch of other songs that didn't make it. The test was that if you could take out one of the songs we were considering and swap it with one of the songs on Fear, if the answer was yes, it was good enough. That said, it's not like Fear is an album has a bit more power, heavier and rockier. So the song has to be able to fit in on Fear... I but want, the I album th- is nothing like fear. Yeah, I think maybe he means the quality. Good enough to sit alongside right. those songs. Obviously. Oh, I see, I see. He says it's it's has the trademark Meridian sound, though, still. Um, but there's a lot of energy and it's less moody than fear. Oh, I do like the moodiness. Though. I know, I love it when Meridian are moody. I love a bit of moodiness. Yeah, you don't you just? <laughs> That's why I married you. Ha, ha, ah, ha, come ha, back, ha. come back. Well, finally, she does the bands, so I don't <laughs> just come across like a bully. You give as good as you get in real life. It's just when you get on the mic, it just all becomes one-sided and I sound like a thug. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know you're joking. <laughs> Why, when we're on microphone, when it's not more likely to be joking? <sighs> Stupid woman. <laughs> <laughs> it was a joke, everybody. <laughs> Uh, so uh, he also talks about the set list for the new tour. 
Mm, he's, yes. he's captain spoilers. We're we gonna, should interview him. Yeah, we're gonna have to. Or well, you should well, interview. Yeah, he was gonna <laughs> come on the podcast. Do you remember that? Oh yeah, he never replied. No, he did, and now I hate him. Uh, <laughs> bants, bants, <laughs> bants, everyone. I don't hate Mark Kelly. Just want to. I just want to clear that up <laughs> right now. Let's put this ridiculous rumor to bed. I don't hate Mark Kelly. Uh, right. So he um, he talks about the set list. Blah blah blah. So he says, we talked about the set two months ago and the main feeling was we should bring back some of the songs that we haven't played for a while that are old favourites. Ooh, so, such as? Uh, it's going to be Easter, isn't it? Um, they, I'll leave I'm you pretty to, sure I heard <laughs> Easter quite recently. Probably. He says, drop, drop the songs or some of the songs we've been playing a lot like the ones we did with uh, the orchestra and some oh. that we haven't touched on for a while that we know are fan favourites. So I wrote down a list as a first stab at a set and everyone said, yeah, it looks really good. <laughs> so the opener is a different one to the one we would normally use. There are a few surprises. Hopefully a crowd pleaser, not an obscure set list. Oh. I wonder what that means. He's great at giving information. He is. He's way better than anyone else in the band. Well, H is pretty good too. Yeah, H is good at gossip. <laughs> Mark is really good at teasing. See, this has got me really excited, this, this mm. interview. What do we reckon as an opener? As an opener. Something that they haven't picked before. But he said the opener is a different one to the one we normally use. So it's not going to be Splintering Heart. Um, I was reading, funny enough... Um, do they have songs that are, are they can, that are categorised as openers? Some, yes. But oh, I was reading... I, I, I'll just continue my sentence that I started when you, that you interrupted halfway through. I'll just continue that. Uh, <laughs> I'm just going to carry on with that, uh, as if you didn't interrupt. Um, uh, I was reading about the Anarachnophobia tour, appropriately, Mm. and it was a special tour because it was a a fan-voted set list. And the fans, interestingly, went for the moodier songs. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Just putting that in there. Just throwing that in there, Marillion. It's it's too late now, Paul. Yeah. The album's made. (laughs) Yeah. The songs uh, are written and recorded. But I was reading, and they opened that with um, this strange engine part of the leg of the tour, oh, uh, okay. which apparently didn't work. <laughs> but I get it in there for a while. Not as a is it not, not punchy opener. enough as an opener? I think yeah, because it comes out when you think it's like there was a boy who came into. I suppose this yeah. But uh, the openers that really work, I think, are the ones that sort of build and build. Um, you don't think so, this strange engine builds? It does, I mean, it but doesn't not in start, that way. It, it starts it with start an with anticipation. A it's like yeah. you've got something like King of Sunset Town, which starts with all that tinkling kind of, you mm. know, the light swirling. Mm. Yeah, Splintering Heart's got that, you know, uh, synth rhythm. Then you've got, you know, I mean, Invisible Man. Yeah. Okay, I see what you mean. What was interesting, I read an interview with Pete about that tour. Yeah, I read several interviews with various band members about that tour, and they all said the same thing about this strange engine not working at the start oh, no. of the set. But Pete said they were a bit surprised the uh, the songs that were voted for by the fans because of them the all being a bit moody and a little bit down tempo. Because but, I guess they probably assume that when you're playing live, everyone's going to want to hear upbeat. Music well, this is what Pete said. Gets them engaged. What Pete said was he, because he grew up, you know, or came up into music through playing in pubs and, you know, those kind of bands playing, as, you know, where you've got to grab the attention yes, of the audience. Yes, you've got to be loud and, and catchy. Yeah, so he think, or they think generally as, as, as a band, you've got to have those up-tempo bits in a set. Whereas I argue maybe when they were first starting out, 
Maybe in a pub. Yeah, in a pub, absolutely. Of course, you've got to grab the attention of people. You know, there isn't the the time to kind of, you know, build a song atmospherically, but they earn the right to kind of not have to feel they do that, you know, to do that. It's not... it's not a pub audience when people go to see them. They're there generally yeah. to see them. And that's why I've been nervous about some of the language used around the new album, because I know Meridian have got that mindset. I mean, so far, every single album has had those songs that are clearly written to be played live. Yeah. yeah. In- including Anarachnophobia. Including Anarachnophobia, without a shadow of a doubt. Yeah, and, and those... they're not always the best songs because, I mean, yes, I listen to them and I go, yeah, I bet that's good live. But overall, you want it to be a great song anyway. And some songs that maybe don't have that kind of jang, not jangly, but what's the word? Bouncy energy. Yeah, that haven't been necessarily written specifically to be played live. They've got a different kind of energy and power that brings some, it, it still engages you and captures you. Yes, when you see them live. But what uh, what Lucy said in that live stream with Ian, because we know Lucy has listened to the podcast and one word that we keep using in the podcast is authentic. You know, Lucy <laughs> brilliantly might as well have just like quoted us directly. Uh, she might have just said, okay, be pod at the end of it, where um, she sort of said about how, although the album is kind of more rocky in places, mm-hmm. uh, it's done in a more authentic way. And mm-hmm. he says, you know that because it's come and Ian sort of said yeah because it's come through jamming it's like you know we, right we're not, we excellent weren't, we weren't trying to write yes that. excellent and as as Lucy said yeah because when you do it never works <laughs> like, it's true and though. Ian agreed it is true isn't it so it's nice to know that Lucy knows that and yeah. the band know that so that again gave me a bit of hope that that you know it's up tempo or rockier in that kind of power Okay, the lead, Which, but sort of way yes. or sounds that can't be made. Yes, that exactly. sort, that sort of rocky up, up and power and up tempo and heavier in that way. So yeah. it's more about the songs have a sort of driving kind of rhythm or beat. Yeah, and it, got less a, about a the strong current to them that that pulls you along. And Marillion do that brilliantly. They do. They do. That's what they do best. Yeah. Yeah, and we've had other so quotes. fingers crossed. Yeah, we've had quotes from others saying it's afraid of sunlight meets fear. So, yeah. That's a good sign. That works for me. Works for me too. Uh, so the last thing from that Mark Kelly interview was uh, Mark saying he's got his autobiography coming out hopefully in November. Are you for real? Yeah. Get out of here. Yeah. He says, uh, it's the band's story from my point of view. It's meant to be an amusing read. I might lose a few friends over it, but we'll see. Brilliant. I've been reasonably oh. fair to everyone. I wonder if he'd be willing to make it an audio book. And he says, I'm sure Fish will get his own back when he publishes his own memoirs. <laughs> see if oh. that ever happens. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Brilliant. So that's interesting, isn't it? Yeah, but uh, you can't wait to read that. I can't because Mark. Oh, it's not even going to be able to. I can't say put it on your Christmas list because there's no way you're going to wait until no Christmas. Way no, no way. We'll do an episode on it. Going yes, I guess I should bits. read it as well. Marillion Book, Book, Book Club. Everyone who's listening, you read it as well, and then we can all <laughs> discuss it. We'll have a, a, a meet up. Let's get back to anarachnophobia, shall we? Yeah, let's continue. So last week we said. Between You and Me, good name for podcast, and Quartz were, were a good double whammy yep. to open the album. We did. And then track three is... Map of Das World. I was going to talk about how my opinion of the album has changed, but we'll leave that till the end. Yeah, because mine has as well. 
Because mm. if you remember a few weeks ago, I was kind of going on about how it's not one of my favourites. Yeah. And uh, I was like, oh, I'm not sure my opinion's going to be much better than it was for Marillion.com. Well, you wait, I'm going to blow your mind with something I'm going to say. I'm going to... I I, I might oh. know what it might be because I might blow your mind with something I'm going to say. Wow. Okay, let's. I can't wait. Yes. Right, go on then. Come on, talk to okay, me about ma- this. Okay, map of the world. Just what you think. In general, I think it is a friendly and harmless tune, <laughs> but... It's not my favourite on the album and it's very kind of 90s generic once again. Um, But saying that, it was a song that I found myself singing along to for some reason. It's really catchy. And I do love the electric guitar in it. Um, There's a particularly nice guitar type jangle at around 1 minute 50, which I appreciated. And... I realised like they've done a good job, especially at the end. They kind of bring everything together and there's lots of layering of sounds. There's kind of like something, some music that sounds a bit like strings, but I'm not sure if it is. It's probably the keyboard. Mm. And it all sounds a bit bigger, but still there's something very generic about it. I'm not... I know it, what you mean. It's, and I think, I think, thinking back, when I was, wasn't so keen on the album, it might have been... I just listened to this and it was like, oh, it's all right. But it kind of, it feels a bit like the Castle era where it's, it's okay. It's not bad, but it's a little bit forgettable. I, I'm surprised you say that because I think, I think it's a, it's a decent pop song. Uh, yeah, it's not bad. It's okay. I don't, I don't dislike it. Like I said, I will sing along with it, but I, I've always, not, I've always liked it. However, mm. in, in doing this, I've gone off it a bit. Why? Because I think there are other songs on the album that are far more interesting. Oh, definitely. And, and I think it's simplicity. Although I love it when we're really into a simple pop song because I think they've got a strong pop sensibility. Mm. Uh, but in this case, yeah, the simplicity of it on an album that's otherwise quite sort of complex. Exactly. And it's, you know, coming after Quartz, which is so clever. Yeah. And so rich and different. And I don't know. I mean, it's fine. It's fine. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna say take it off the album. It's not a steamer. It's a. It's a good song. It's an okay song, but not. Not my favourite. I still like it because I. I started to listen to it with it. I started to listen to it really loud because I wanted to hear. Oh, ah, maybe that's the trick. And there's a lot going on there. Yes, exactly. That's what I meant. It's at that the production end, is so lush. Yeah, the production's great, and at, at the end, especially, there is a lot going on, and it, it's a lot of richness in of sound. But I don't know. Just it's missing. It's missing that magic Marillion quality. Yeah, it, it's. There's there there are bits in there that really like that little bit of sort of almost harpsichord or clav kind of keyboard. Did little which yeah, comes I think, in. I think that's what moments like that. Yeah. Um, which again, it's sort of it's still got the confidence of those first two tracks. I still feel it. It it carry it continues the momentum. It doesn't hit a brick wall at this point or anything mm. like that. I I don't. But it's probably the least interesting song. And I mean, yeah, interesting maybe sort of that. musically and lyrically. Yeah. Because lyrically, it's just, it's a pop lyric. Mm. You know, it's a girl dreaming. This is my take on it. A girl dreaming of a map on her wall and travelling the world, but hasn't got the courage to do it. Yeah. That's, then it's simple. It's yeah, not like, it's not coming I, from H's heart. 
That's exactly what I said. Um, another escapist song. So it seems to be a theme. There's a lot of escapist yeah. songs that H writes. Um, someone fantasizing about escaping the pain that you can hide beneath, hide away beneath a well-cut suit. Escaping the drudgery of normal day-to-day life, which makes you feel like you're just running to stand still, not getting anywhere. And it's not clear whether she's actually going to act on this fantasy or she's just using it as inspiration to help her get through her day-to-day. Yeah, so And give her something to aim for. It's a theme that he comes back to, doesn't it? Yeah, it's a theme he comes back to, which is what I found interesting. Yeah, a little... That side of it I found really interesting. But when he says that it feels a little scary, a little runaway, letting go of all she's done, that, you know, we know full well that he's written songs about not changing his life but wanting to yes being too scared to change his life yeah uh, or loving the aspect of traveling and being on the road and getting away so maybe there is more to it i mean it's, yeah i like the lines but when you lie to yourself you lie to everyone i think that's, yes that's that was quite telling that was quite telling. Because where was he at this point in his life? He was still with his first wife? I think he wife? was still with her at this point. They'd had troubles, but they decided to stay together. Is that right? Um, yeah, I think they were still together. They were still together, but it, was, it, it didn't last that much longer? Not or? Much, well, no, certainly not. I mean, I don't want to uh, speculate when, but certainly by the time somewhere else came out. They'd split mm. up, so it was at least six years later, so it was before then. Because um, I'm getting a lot out of the whole album, I'm getting a lot of sort of sense of almost regret for not doing what you want to be doing. Yeah. And living a life that you almost feel trapped in because it's not where you would prefer to be following your heart and mm. doing something else and being with someone else or being somewhere else. Mm-mm. I, I um, could go for an album. Oh yeah, it is, isn't yeah. it? Uh, yeah. So maybe there is more going on to the song that, but but what there is famous is it's, it's. But like, it's not owned. No, it's put onto a different character, which he does do as well from time to time. Yeah. Uh, but what is it? It's one of those songs famous in Marillion lore of the story of it has been well told though. It was actually the toughest song to write on the album. It it was oh. the, it, it's weird with these simple songs. It's like Go apparently was a nightmare to write. Simple song sounding really you know, to our ears. Map of the World was the one on this album to the point that H couldn't get the lyrics or the vocal melody done. So oh. he went off to Barbados um, to stay with a mate of his from the band Cutting Crew. Do you know the song I Just Died in Your Arms Tonight? Yes. Yeah, the guy that sang that, Nick Van Eed. He went and stayed in his house in Barbados and Nick Van Eed has a credit on the song because he helped him get the map of the world. So out of all the songs on the album, even like the complex quartz, this was the one that that caused the most problems. That is, I was not expecting you to say that. Yeah, weird, isn't it? Famously as well, of course, while he was in Barbados, he ate a poison apple and um, thought he was going to die. Oh no, he's Snow White. (laughs) These seven dwarves... um, gathered round and carried him off to their cottage. And saved his life. Well, no, the a prince came along. Oh, and prince. True love's kiss. Aww. Uh, <laughs> brothers gave him a big kiss. Aww. Big Frenchie. So, yeah, there's not much more to say about it. It's, it's, I, I think I like it more than you do. 
Yeah, probably. I mean, I don't dislike it. I want to make that clear. I yeah. sing along to it. I enjoy it. It's it's crowded house kind of yeah, pop rock territory. Uh, I wouldn't call it one of Marillion's finest or best. Um, I still I I still think the energy and the uh, the confidence is higher on this song than it has been for anything really on dot com. But you prefer go, don't you? Which was yes, I definitely do. Okay, yeah, okay. I'd swap this for go. Okay. Interesting. All right, next track, When I Make God. A song which opens with a synth line courtesy of Rothers. How how on earth did that happen? Yeah, yeah. He, he says he says he had more... Does he play keyboard? No, he was just playing around. He bought all his... Apparently for this album, he bought all his gear from home to the studio. Mm. And Rothers has a lot of gear and equipment. Right. Um, and he, he apparently had more to do with the writing of this album than anyone, he says. Album or song? Album. Oh, really? Uh, so he was contributing because there was this sense of freeness in the studio for people to sort of, you know, play around. Yeah. Um, yeah. He, he uh, it was, he, he programmed the sort of synth line. Brilliant. That opens the song. Oh, well, Rothers, thank you because I love it. I love the start of the song. I love that. I love the expansive atmosphere that's set right from the start. Mm. Thanks to the keyboard, because it feels like the music's kind of reaching upwards yeah. and it just it 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 gives that it, it gives the energy to it that kind of oh, I don't want to say mystical because the mystical is not the right word, but it gives the feeling of reaching up to ethereal. the universe. There's something to, ethereal to, about it, isn't there? Yeah. Yeah, so anyway, this is my favourite song on the album, if I haven't told you already. I knew that. I love this song so much. For me, I think it has the winning trifecta of Marillion music. It's got great music, great lyrics, and fantastic production. And I just, I've always loved it. Um, I think years ago... You introduced me to a, a fan version remix. The re- on the remix of Matosis album, which we'll cover yeah. at some point on the podcast. And and from there, it was like, oh my God, what is this song? It's great. Oh my God. Ha ha. Ha Yeah, absolutely. Love listening to it. Could just listen to it over and over again. Well, even before we did the podcast today, you were listening to it and you wanted to carry on. Yeah, you? I know. Oh my God, I don't <laughs> want to finish this yet. Um, I love... I love, I think the way they added echo to H's voice really worked because it, it, it gives a kind of larger than life quality to the song. And then what else? My other favorite bits, there's some strings or string sounds that come in at about four minutes 50, which add an extra layer of richness and lusciousness to the sound. And then when the pace changes and well, slows down a bit. It's a song a bit, of two parts, basically, isn't it? Yeah. It's, it's, a, it's Meridian doing their cut and shut thing. Yeah. But in a way, it works perfectly. I just will say before you carry on, this this album was one of the first times that they really started using uh, kind of logic and the oh, light. Right. The, the, one of the first albums that they really started making in the computer. Oh. And the first time that, you know, like Dave Megan was able to kind of just catalogue everything they recorded mm. and then able to kind of put bits together and go, what do you think of this? He's done it masterfully because, okay, there's, well, there were songs like A Legacy where it it jumped in pace and tone, but mm. I didn't feel worked quite that well. Yeah. When they do it in When I Meet God, it's sublime. 
yeah, absolutely perfect. There's um, the electric guitar. It's in itself at, in that end bit is just gorgeous, and um, there's just like this whole other uh, otherworldly. That's right. that's the word I was looking for before. There's like an otherworldly, dreamy quality to it. Absolutely, I just love it. Love it. Yeah, it's it's gorgeous. It's classic Marillion. Yeah, one of my favourite Marillion songs, full stop. I don't know why they don't play it live more often. Maybe, Do they not? Maybe it's just... It, thing maybe is, they'll play it on the next tour. Maybe. I, it's quite, I suppose, it opens in quite a gentle way, but it really builds to a really sort of emotional climax. I mean, mm-hmm. as well with those sound bites of the news stories of... Yes. You know, the Taylor and Concord and things. You know, it's like, Jesus Christ. Yeah. You know, pun not intended, but it, it, <laughs> it, it's <laughs> it's real, real gut punch of a song. Mm-hmm. Uh, and musically, it's just beautiful. It really is. It's, it's and as you say, the yes, it, it's almost two songs in one. But, but they fit together so perfectly. It feels like one song. At Seamless. The same, same song seamless connection between the two parts yeah. and you can really hear h's emotion in it when he sings well what why yes you do and i think something that really I, what i like about the second half is the second half feels almost kind of quite loose and, and sort of jam jammy mm. if you know what i mean was the first half is sort of quite sort of i don't know smooth and polished and programmed and things and then the second half the, the band seemed to sort of you just i don't know I was going to say fall apart, but that sounds negative. But I mean, they kind of feel like that they're, they're loosened up, loosened up in a way that sort of fits with the emotion of the song. It feels suddenly more raw. Mm. That's probably the word I'm looking for. Um, there were a couple of, I think, chord changes or key changes. I'm not a musician, so apologies. But there's one in particular where it feels a little bit laboured, where it suddenly jumps h's voice is something jumps a couple of octaves and the music kind of with it uh and it feels like it's reaching a little bit i do wish rothers is uh, very sort of low in the mix for a lot of the song mm-hmm. and if ever there was a song that sort of would benefit from like a sort of soaring rothers solo i mean i know at I the know, end you've got really, that yeah he really he really stood out to me but what it does this song which with the perhaps the exception of, of quartz which is clearly Pete's song this is an album and this song is a good example of an album where everyone is sort of equal. Exactly. Yes, there's a there is. I used the word before last week, but there's a real synergy between them. Yeah. They harmonise together in such a beautiful way. It really works, which obviously I love because when it when when they have those discordant sounds in certain songs like Cathedral Wall, I I don't ever oh, like horrible. it. So obviously the opposite. A lot. But here's an example of, of a kind of almost discordant sound in this song at the end where, where the Rothers guitar is really high mm. uh, and it's sort of almost squealing to that sort of ending. Mm-hmm. But it works here. It works. Um, I love it, you know, because it, it feels like a song that, that deserves that. I don't know. It, it just plays on the emotion of it. Yeah. But also it's sort of quite psychedelic in places. Yes. Uh, otherworldly it also dawned on me yeah that it feels like a song that's almost a bridge between afraid of sunlight and marbles oh i haven't listened to marbles in such a long time Mm. and i haven't listened to it as many times as you have so i'm not familiar with it enough to be able to say Mm. it's almost like the intervening albums haven't happened 
<laughs> interesting, it's, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. It, that's how yeah. it feels. Uh, again, I, I read an interview with Mark, a different interview, an older interview with Mark, where he was asked about the, you know, when they were releasing an album a year and why they did that. And he just said it was money. Financial oh, pressure. Okay, yeah. yeah. Oh, admitting. so that was the castle years. Yeah, yeah. It's interesting. Okay, so like, if we go back to what I was going to say at the beginning of the podcast, but then say, I'll say I was going to save it to the end. It was basically that. It was like you can really start to hear the budding blossom of Marillion's trademark, their yeah. authentic sound. Yeah, it's it's starting to to blossom in this album. Or re-blossom. Or re-blossom. No, do you know what? It's in a different way to what... I'm getting getting a different vibe from it than pre... Castle. Castle. Yeah, I know what you mean. It's like it's their true voice... Is, yeah. is has started to gain strength. So it's almost like they've come out of their adolescent years where they were feeling unconfident, looking to what the popular kids were wearing and doing and trying to <laughs> yeah. copy them. And they've kind of gained a sense of identity. Yes, they have. It's still not rock solid. They're kind of like those early 20, in their early 20 years. They haven't got a rock solid sense of identity, but they know who they are. They're not trying to be a goth when they're not a goth. <laughs> yeah. Or, or yeah. something along those they're lines. They're not trying to hang around with the cool kids anymore. Yeah. They're, just, yeah. they're like, oh, this is me. This is my voice. This is what I want to say. And yeah, the whole album, I can really, really hear that. Yeah. Starting to grow. Yeah. I'll say again, can we hear this live? a bit more often please because oh, I'd love to hear I it, think live. it I think it would go up in everyone's estimation as a Meridian classic if we heard it live a bit more is often. it is it not considered a Meridian classic I just don't think it's yeah there's certain songs in the Meridian catalogue that get played a lot Estonia is a good example a song that got played so much that I've gone off it oh no, <laughs> oh, no. whereas this is an equal to Estonia in my book uh, oh I like it way more I, well, I, mean, I like Estonia yeah. But like this is play this. way, play this. way more my favourite. It's it's for me. This is far more uh, authentically Marillion as a mm-hmm. track. This is a good example of one. You know, we're talking about it's not rock solid and finding their voice. It is on this song. Yeah. Oh yeah, for sure. This is Marillion. Yeah, for sure. This is Marillion one hundred and ten percent. Yeah. When I said it wasn't rock solid, I meant the album as a whole. Yeah. Yeah. No, but, I know. But yeah, this one is. This one fully, fully them. So do we even really need to talk about the lyric? We kind of know what it's about, don't we? I mean, I don't know. I. Uh, okay, you go for it. I mean, I was obviously if it's that clear to you, <laughs> probably to everyone else, but it's not to me. I was trying to wonder if it was a song about trying to make sense of tra- of the tragedy and injustice in the world. Yeah, I think that's it. Oh, okay. It, it, it's. But he does it in such a heartfelt and raw way that it's it's almost like philosophical poetry yeah um okay so you you'd agree that that was what it was about. yeah it's a song raging at god if god exists then yeah why does she yes uh he's he's being a cheeky cheeky blighter isn't he he might be a follower of the goddess religion no he isn't he was just being cheeky he's admitted that a cheeky monkey he was just trying to be a little bit controversial all oh, right uh, yeah, but it's raging at the idea that if she exists, then why doesn't she intervene and stop bad things happening? Yeah. That's it. That's what I, and that's a, kind of what I figured. It's a song that explores that. Yeah, but I love, okay, I mean the lyrics, favourite lyrics. 
Um, I'm so sick of feeling it's ruined oh, my life. Yeah. <laughs> relate, relate, H, high five. Um, <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. And, and uh, the way he words, why do, why do the gods, again, being cheeky, I suppose, sit back and watch so many lost, what kind of mother leaves a child in the traffic? turning tricks in the dark, what kind of God? I mean, what a metaphor. That's so yeah. true, though. What kind of mother leaves a child in the traffic? Exactly. Yeah. Um, Do you know oh, what? and I, then when he said... Sorry, go. No, I was just going to say, I hadn't realised that that's a meta- metaphor, calling the mother God the mother. Yeah. I hadn't realised that. I just took that line literally. Oh, right. Wow. Yeah, it's phenomenal. Yeah. And then when he, in, um, when he writes... Um, so the first bit, when I meet God, I'm going to ask her what makes her cry, what makes her laugh. And then he writes, is she just stars and indigo gas? Mm. Oh, so just, oh, they say gives I meant me tingles. To, yeah, I, lo- I love that line. I love that line, indigo gas. Oh, God. Yeah, I know. Um, Who thinks of, it's like painting with words. Who thinks of wording things that way? Uh, when they were writing this album, they put writing samples up on the website. Uh, oh right! And there was one called an experiment with gas, uh, and another one called purple, which never made neither of those bits of music ever made it to the album. Oh, uh, there were others. Wait, were they lyrics or music? Bits of music, I think. I don't know if there were any words on them. Oh no, no, experiment with gas did have words. Oh. Um, yeah. Anyway, indigo gas. Yeah, absolutely phenomenal. Yeah, it's great. It's great. It's a Meridian classic. Well done, H. Oh, another. Well I just wanted words. to ask you something. Um, so in the end, when he kind of zooms way out to look at the world mm. from far, far away, and he writes, "A perfect mirror floating in space, waves and numbers, but oh, such beautiful numbers and oh, such waves." What are the numbers? Uh-huh. <laughs> I was just like, "Is that like <laughs> the world is a simulation? Everything is zero one zero one zero one one one." beautiful numbers yeah well maybe that ties into this is the 21st century where oh maybe it's perhaps it's the opposite of that where it's yeah yeah, that's about magic is real yes whereas perhaps this is saying that no 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 it's all science i don't know i don't think h would ever say it's all science no anyway should we move on yeah let's move on next oh dear oh hot under the collar yeah, this is a <laughs> fruit, fruit of the wild rose song about my husband. Yeah, <laughs> the well, wild is, rose. isn't it just any time they've ever played this, our friend Nick? Yeah, this this song always makes me think of Nick. Yeah, if we're ever at a gig uh, with Nick and they play this, he always turns to me and does dance for me, Rose. And which, then you do a little jig, and I'll do a little jig for him. So if anyone ever wants me to jig for them, that's all they have to say. Okay, I'm going to say this up front. Mm-hmm. This is a track that I've always skipped. Really? Until recently. And I can't believe I'm going to say this. Mm. It could be my favourite track on the album now. Wow. I didn't see that coming. Nor did I. I would never have thought I said that. Why did you skip it before? I didn't like it. (laughs) So it wasn't... (laughs) Yeah. I'm only asking because I came to this track expecting not to like it. Yeah. And that is because I have heard it live and it was okay. Yeah. It wasn't, I didn't hate it, but it wasn't one that instantly gripped me live. Mm. Listening to it through headphones. Wow, yeah. It's phenomenal. It's Absolutely a great song. love it. Yeah. It's, it's 
part of the journey that I've gone on with rediscovering this album, and I have rediscovered it through this process and kind of realised what a great album it is. Mm-hmm. And this this song's been the key to unlocking it for me because it's the one that I, or one of the ones that I never liked. Yeah. And to for, to go from not liking it or thinking I didn't like it to loving it, mm-hmm. it's got everything in there. And yet it doesn't sound like any Marillion you've heard before. And yet it feels completely authentic. Yeah. Everything we keep saying about this album, about how the band holding together. Yes. And acting as one. That's, yes, that's that's a great way to put it. That's exactly what they're doing in the whole album. Yeah. They're all working together. There's no one that's kind of front and centre and the only one that has a spotlight on them. They're all work together and to build this fantastic sound yeah and here it's it's used as a sort of kind of funky jazzy sort yeah of it's very funky shuffle, i actually said um like the end bit where there's like electric guitar keyboard and bass uh, in the last yeah. section um it was like it feels like you should be listening to it in some underground saloon or something. Yeah, it's. I could see you can almost dance to this song quite literally. Yes, it's Rose. Kind of a, it, well, only yeah, if your name you is Rose. Yeah, it's got that sort of shuffling outro. Yeah, kind of, yeah. The the guitar completely different to what Rothers has ever played before, but it doesn't sound laboured. Yes, actually, because I was going to say there's a gu- guitar sound around starts around four minutes fifteen. It sounds almost like a country style sounding guitar <laughs> right. but um but i really like it because i feel like it grounds and livens up the dreamy ethereal quality of the the background humming sounds that are going on behind oh, it the, and the... h's talk singing in right. that section yeah which he does he, this song he kind of almost mumbles the song mm. it works it completely it works. works yeah you've got this amazing bass line that yeah you know, the piece playing that's really you know again pete top of his game here yeah the drums sort of shuffling and then you know you've got this lovely sort of organ keyboard sound again l- all working together through. it's hard to sort of pick out kind of you know an mvp uh, yeah exactly it, it's but the guitar sounded so different in that section yeah like it i mean maybe it isn't what country music guitar sounds like i don't know why i've plucked that word but that's how it it it, it came across well, what, to me what it has <sighs> And why, I don't know, that country sort of almost skiffle. <laughs> it, yeah. The the verses are really sparse. It's just, it doesn't feel like there's loads of layers mm. and, until you get to the choruses. Mm-hmm. And then that bit with the arpeggio keyboard, uh, you know, where it kind of goes mm. like that, where it suddenly feels like all of them coming in and then, okay, we've got dubs and overdubs and we've got, you know, multiple kind of layers going on. Uh but I love the way it's kept sort of almost like, it sounds almost live in the verses. You know, almost mm. you could imagine being in a club yes. listening to it. Yes, yeah. Uh, That's a good way of describing it. And yet then it's got the bigness as well. It's, it does, yeah. And that's why I sort of mean, it, you know, it, it feels like on the top of their game because what you're getting here is you're getting kind of, oh, we can do this now. Yeah, you thought you thought we can do it. But we can not, do this. But they're not yet. sounding like anyone else when they're doing it. They still sound authentic to themselves someone did say to me on twitter that this song reminds them of uh sort of mid 90s u2 oh okay which, uh, i can kind right, of well, hear i could hear bono singing this but at the same time i don't it, know I it doesn't feel like a pastiche it, yeah exactly 
Yeah. Can I just ask you a quick question? Is there is, is there a drum machine at the start? Probably. There's drum machines all throughout this album. Is oh, this uh, was the only time I noticed it. What? You didn't notice it? And this is the twenty first century. No, it was. This was the only time it actually stood out to me. What? Yeah. What? I know. What? I <laughs> you need to go back and Wait, listen to this is the 21st century. Quote here from Ian Mosley. A word about drum loops. We've always had click tracks on various segments of the album that I've played to, but this time really was the first time that we've used full-blown drum loops, and it's if it's done properly, it could be really good. It's like having another drummer in the room next to me or having a serious percussionist, but I treat it the same way as a click track. It's basically there to keep consistent timing because drummers always speed up and slow down. I play to it as if it was another instrument and it can give you a good sense of security really because I can play around and whatever happens, the beat's always going to be there. If it wasn't for the drum loop, then it's usually Pete who's always there. So ah. it was the first time they seriously used mm. loops. Because I was wondering if that's why... Was it this album you said someone described it as Ice Cream Genius Part <laughs> yeah, 2? Yeah, yeah. Um, I thought it worked though. Yeah, because oh, yeah. then Ian does come in, and you hear the difference between the drumming, the drummers, drummings. Yeah. Well, it was Rothers, as he said. So a quote from Rothers here mm. when he was asked about that Ice Cream Genius thing. I don't think I've read this out. Uh, he said I probably had the most to do with this album than probably anybody. Not only regarding my guitar sound, I was basically triggering drum loops and editing sequences. Oh wow, he was busy. Yeah, busy boy. I wrote quite a lot of the music, sometimes written when Steve Hogarth wasn't even there. Um, Steve has an influence on certain tracks if you have a, as a specific thing he wants to explore but not so much on the new album Dave Megan had far more of an influence in terms of guiding us so that's interesting isn't it mm. uh, so yeah yeah. there's probably drum loops there's drum loops all over this album right you know, quartz and, oh, I'll have to re-listen yeah. then yeah but Do, this is the 21st century open the just for that. that famously at the start of that when they play it live Ian isn't even on stage for like the first seven minutes Seven minutes. Or something like that. God. Yeah. Okay. It didn't last that long in this. No. In this one. Wow. All right then. So, do we want to talk about how this is the rudest Marillion song? It's very ever? spicy, isn't it? Let me read. Spicy, saucy H. Let me read out one little couplet. Okay. The fruit of the wild rose, sweet and so sour on the tongue, swollen and crimson. Well, he's a cunning linguist, isn't he? Wow. <laughs> oh, well. Wow. There's also the last verse is pretty... Fruity. I was going to say, if H ever wants to quit his career as a singer and musician, uh, maybe he could start up a new career as a romance writer. Well, he could. Well, erotica, I think. Erotica. The... <laughs> Stir your hips, feel the seed inside so sweet. Wow. Uh, he's a dirty boy. Dirty boy. He's a spicy boy. Yeah. Uh, I love the lyrics. I love yeah, the lyrics. Yeah, I mean, the use of the metaphor, once again, masterful. Mm. Masterful metaphors by H. Masterful metaphors by Spicy well, H. What What were you particularly... Well, all of it. All of, all of the, the rude metaphors. Bits. I love all the metaphors. <laughs> the rude bits are clever yes. metaphor, aren't they? Yes. Swollen and crimson. Swollen and purple. I haven't got the lyrics in front of me, you see, well, I, so I can't. Good night, my love. Out. I'm so alone and so surrounded by your sweet memory. I cannot sleep for all these dreams. They come to play till dawn comes stealing them away. I love that. So once again, it seems like so. It's a song about daydreaming and fantasizing. Yeah, and about almost again wishing that 
where you are now isn't where you want to be. How about that? He wasn't happy, was he? No. When he was writing these lyrics. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. It, it's dreaming about someone. Interesting. Someone, someone else. else. And someone... That's keeping you awake at night. Yes. And then uh, wanting to be with that person. Yes. Um, voluptuous crimson. Oh, you love that. What? What, all the rudeness? <laughs> you know, you love the voluptuous crimson bit. Did I, why have I, why have I Is that the bit? I think you've read it out like three times. No, no, I was swollen crimson. Oh, swollen and crimson. Vol- there was also voluptuous Oh, he crimson. really liked crimson. Yeah. I, I, God, I tell you one of my, the, the bit, again, it goes into the arpeggio. I love, I don't know why, I've always loved the line as England faces the winter and then the the arpeggio keyboards come in. I love that line. Mm. The only thing I would say is I feel they could have shaved like a minute and a half off the song. That's the only negative I've oh, got really? to say. I think, it, I think it goes on slightly too long. See, I had, I had written in my notes at first that I thought it was a bit too long and I took it out. Mm. Because after listening to it a few more times, I felt that every part of the song had earned its place. Mm. And I think it's the length that it should be. That sounds like an H line. <laughs> <laughs> Well, if I add crimson in there, maybe. Purple. The crimson length is exactly as it should be. Dirty. Dirty woman. Was a bit... Dirty woman. Um, so in the last in the last few lines where he says, feel the seed inside so sweet, dreaming westbound waves and a man coming back from the sea. That's like the man being on top, like a wave kind of, you know. Jesus. Sexual movement. But it's also a metaphor and it might not mean that. It might be my dirty mind. Yeah, probably is. Wouldn't be the first time. Your dirty mind had misinterpreted something. <laughs> <laughs> I was just shaking hands. What? Oh, I don't know. What? Well, like shaking someone's hand and they're going, oh. Oh, that's gone over my head. There's nothing really to us. That sounds like an H line. We're, mo- move, we're moving on. Let's move on. Next track. Ready, yes. Separated Out. Yes, Separated Out is not my favourite song on the album or one of my favourite songs on the album. It's one of my least favourite, but, big but, I think it would be really good live. So I'm You've imagining. Heard it live loads. Yeah, so. I'm imagining this was one that was written to be played live. Yeah, they tend to these days do it with. Um, uh, that Led Zeppelin bit. Yeah, I could see that working. Um, I, you know, I do still. There are. There's lots that I do like about it. Uh, love the voice recording sound bites from the film Freaks. Is it? Yeah. I was gonna look up. I was gonna type in the quotes. Mm. Because I wanted to see exactly what the quote said, but I should have just asked you. I couldn't yeah. think. I couldn't think what. Weirdly, to search for. Dave Megan put them in there, uh, not realizing about the association with Meridian fans being called freaks, or the song "Freak." Oh, freaks. interesting. Yeah. Huh. well, I th- I think they add a quirky, surprising element to the song, and they really work. Mm. I like the. The, there's like a Doors style keyboard. I thought it was yeah. in the bit where H sings separated out, and I think that's quite effective. Yes, I know the beat. I mean, I always saw it as sort of carnival music. 
Oh, maybe it's meant to be. Okay, it's probably meant to be carnival music now that you say it. But I see see the doors. It it reminds me of the doors. Um, I think the drums are really strong throughout. There's something about Separated Out that reminds me of Cannibal Surf, babe. Yeah, it's in that ballpark, isn't it? Yeah, and I didn't know if it, like, I was wondering if it was the retro feel that the doors sounding keyboard sounded Mm. like, but then if you're saying it's a carnival theme, I don't know. There's something about it that feels similar to Cannibal Surf Bay. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's 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 a it's I think designed as a sort of fun rock song. Yeah. You know, not it's not dark. There's a sort of playfulness to it, I suppose. Is there? Oh. Yeah. Musically you mean. Musically, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I suppose. Yeah. I wouldn't I mean lyrically I'm not sure, but musically, yeah, for sure. Um and I wrote it for this one and I haven't taken it out. I think it might be a tad too long. Because I start to zone out a bit towards yeah, the end. Yeah, it does go on too long. I agree with you. So uh, I just think it, it would be a bit punchier if it was shaved down a little bit. As long as they include, they keep the spoken word section at the end because that's genius. Yeah. Uh, yeah, the, I love the, the, I love the rhyming ending. Of the, it. Yeah, yeah, it's really hypnotic. One of us. One of us. One of us. We accept that. We accept that. Freaks! Yeah. Genius. Love that. Yeah, that's great. I love the outro. Um, I am on record as saying I'm not a big fan of attempts by Marillion to rock out. And uh, this is, I suppose, what I think they think when they are talking about writing an up-tempo song. Oh, okay. However, I think this is one of their better examples of writing a rock song, as in a traditional rock song, which it is. Yes. It's, It's not a rock song in a kind of artistic kind of atmospheric kind of it's a simpler rock song. it's a simpler rock yeah it's, it's not one of their complex powerful layered rock songs no it's just like a, a simpler version file it alongside hooks in you paper lies yeah uh, hard as love any of those bang straightforward you, what you see is what you get but again as with so much on this album and whether it's dave megan whether it's them having more time they do it better than they have on the last couple of albums. Mm-hmm. It's again, all of them are playing their parts perfectly. You know, the guitars crunch, the drums clatter away, you know, and the bass yeah, holds it all together. And so, you know, and that does H, make it sound like it's the production that's making the difference. Yeah. And I like H's woohoo's at the end. And yeah, you know, he does a good woohoo. H. Uh, yeah, he's good. Yeah, actually, he's good at woohoo's. <laughs> um, I don't like that. I don't like the carnival music. I don't like the sort of the bridge or whatever it is with the carnival music in the background. And the, I don't know. It feels. I hate it when Meridian try to be playful. They have said it. I like Cannibal Surfway. But you Surfway. love Cannibal Surfway. I know. Babe. You're just contradicting okay. yourself. I know I am. I know I am. But all right, I don't always hate it. Sometimes I hate it. (laughs) Depending on the song. Yeah. Uh, What is interesting here for me is because part of the reason why I think, I don't think they're rock songs, they're straightforward, standard, you know, kind of route one rock songs work is because I don't think H's voice lends itself to that. You Mm -hmm. need someone with with that kind of power set of lungs sort of a bit gravelly mm. and H hasn't got that but here it works yeah. better than it has on some of their others 
you know, his voice is, it's too layered. His voice is too uh, emotive. Yes, and, and, and that's when it works best. Yeah. When he's able to emote through his voice and not just shout. shout. Yeah, which is what, you know, you, you need it to be able to away, scream. Yeah, but him, in the songs where he shouts, it takes away his magic and that subtlety that he's able to achieve. Yeah. Him just, he's, there's nothing straightforward about H, right? Yeah. He is a layered, complex, he's clockwork, he's not quartz. Yeah. So giving him a straightforward song like that isn't going to be his best. Isn't, yeah. isn't going to be him at his best because he works best with complicated. Yes. Yeah, it's true. Um, and so that's often why I feel it doesn't work when he when they try and do it with him. And, yeah. But it does work here. As as for for this sort of a song, I think it works better than something like Paper Lies. Yeah, um, true. That's true. Yeah, you know, it's fine live. It works with the Led Zepp or the Zeppelated Out as they call it. Um, because ah, when they did their A, A to Z, uh, one of the Marillion weekends, they didn't have a song that began with Z, so they did Zeppelated ah. Out. Uh, it, but it's again, Dave. All credit to Dave Megan. It's so yeah, lush. He's, he's a clever, so fellow. lush. He knows how to get the best He's out. Talented, of it. but you know they can do better than this. Sorry, I'm saying it. I know some people like it. It gets a good reception live. They because clearly, it would be good live. They but... clearly love playing it live because they yeah. play it too much. Uh, but it's not. It's not what I want from them. And I've said this many times. Moving um, on to the lyrics. So I was wondering if this was another. I mean, I went through a few options, which you'll never guess what it's. Well, about. I was wondering if it was a, another song about fame and how it can give the feeling that you're you are on show and different and somehow separated you're pulled out from the rest of society separated and kind of put up where everyone can look at you potentially point and laugh at you and how that being separated from others can sometimes shake your sense of self and weaken your weaken your sense of self-identity that then you only start to see yourself through the eyes of others and like for example when he writes this is what where I got this guess from when he writes can you kiss my face let me know it's there so can you kiss my face and let me know it's there so I only know my face is here from your kiss can you give it shape can you kind of care and all of this in the end can make you feel like some kind of freak or monstrosity in a circus sideshow Oh. oh, I can see you smiling. I'm trying not to look because I'm probably way off. Um, well, cause I know, and then with I know that what it's comes about. with the self-doubt as well. Am I enough of a freak to be worth paying to see? Ah. So that was one of my guesses. The other two were, is it a description of psychosis? And then about man who owns a fun <laughs> <laughs> What was the third one? Well, you're actually, the psychosis one, that's interesting. Is it? Uh-huh. I wish, oh... I don't have my third guess on here because I deleted it. Well, I was look, like, no, it's I'll not put that. you out of your misery because you're close with the psychosis thing. Get out of here. There's two things going on here, basically. One is, am I am I enough of a freak to be worth paying to see? Yeah. Like, you know, that is there. So I'll just read a quote here from H. Um, to some extent, anyone who commands a fee for their presence obviously has something unusual going on. To be a performer is a freak situation to be in, metaphorically as well as often literally. So I can't help wondering. I occasionally feel like a freak. I suppose everybody does. But am I enough of a freak to be worth paying to see? Ah, so there's that. However, yes. he told the story on his podcast in depth. But I'll, I'll read um, this, this interview quote, which in which he 
tells it. The lyrics um, are loosely about a bad dope-eating experience I had. Oh, brilliant. With How We Live at Edinburgh Playhouse. We'd had this really long, boring drive from Manchester and I'd made the mistake of eating a sizeable chunk of resin at two o'clock in the afternoon. Now, the thing- Not even it baked into a cake or a brownie. He <laughs> no. ate... Whoa, H, okay. Now the This thi- guy is wilder than I thought. Well, no, he, he, I don't know how... I know he doesn't really smoke it or anything like yeah, that. Yeah, but he's but... What, just ate a chunk, not even having it baked into some magic cookies or no. something. Uh, anyway, so he said, now the thing about eating that stuff is that nothing happens for two or three hours. So you eat a bit more. By sound check, I had officially left the planet. By showtime at eight o'clock that night, I had lost my memory completely and <gasps> oh, didn't know no. any of the songs. The place was sold out and Colin War's mum and dad were in the audience to see him play for the first time in his 10-year career. Nightmare all round, really. So the song is based upon that feeling of isolation, terror and and generally being at odds with the rest of humanity. (laughs) Wow. So He he, sure has some stories to tell. He talks about, I talked on the podcast about having to run outside to throw up and then back on stage. No. Yeah. Poor guy. I mean, well, you will eat a chunk of resin. Yeah. <laughs> that's what happens. Yeah. Right. Brilliant. Love it. I love that that's the... I love that that's what the lyrics mean. <laughs> come on, then. Ah, come on, then. What What? what did you say, ah? Because I kicked the mic. Oh, right. <laughs> you looked so genuinely worried. Well, like you did a jumping motion. Yeah. What, what? <laughs> what were you... So what did you what think? Going on? I have no idea what was going on. Because there's a wasp here. Big mystery. There's a wasp here. <laughs> Wasps here. The wasp's here. <laughs> oh, stop Thanks for letting that us now. know. Off you go. All right. This is the 21st century. Uh, once again, starts with a lovely, spacey, epic... What? Wait, no, what? I was literally just wiping my face. Oh, you had a funny wow. expression on. No, I don't like that. <laughs> my God. God wow, someone's paranoid <laughs> par- today. Yeah, I'm paranoid when it comes to you. <laughs> literally just touch my face. What? This is what I live with, <laughs> people Jumping at home. around, touching your face. I never know what's going to jump out it's of the, the wasp. Woodwork. The wasp was on my face. Oh. Right. Um, yeah. Once again, I'll start again. Um <laughs> Uh, yeah, once again, we have a nice, spacey, epic start with the electric guitars, and I love that. But once again, it's not one of my favourite songs on the album. Really? No, yeah. I don't know. Okay, I like it. It's okay. Oh. But I, I feel neutral towards it. So oh. I don't dislike it, but I don't love it. But saying that, it was another one I found myself singing along to. Oh, you surprised me. Yeah. I've, I've been a I don't of, dislike it. tracks on this album that I thought you'd like more than this was one of them. Yeah, I, well, I don't dislike it. I, I do like it. I sing along with it. Yeah. Um, I think the instrumental bit at the end is incredible. Like that bit I absolutely what, the outro? love. Yeah, there's like, um, I can't remember... Well, there How goes, many minutes at the end? No, where no? there was all the instruments. Because I don't like that bit. <laughs> where all the instruments were playing together, like in the last couple of minutes or something. Oh. Um, and I love that enough to want to see this song played live in a huge stadium. Because yeah, I, like like I don't like the last couple of minutes. Oh, I love the last couple of minutes. Oh. 
Or maybe it was more than a couple. I think it was well, last two few or minutes. three minutes. Yeah. yeah, I love that. I don't like that. It's my favourite part of the song. Wow, you surprised me. Well, God, our tastes have finally diverged. But saying that, I also think that it's slightly too long. Yes, so I don't is. know what they'd cut out of it because I like the ending. Well, I'd, do you know what? I would cut, say, in the first seven minutes. I'd cut a chunk of the first seven minutes. I'd lose that last three minutes because I don't like it. Well, personally. I'd keep the last three minutes. <laughs> I would base the entire song around the amazing bit of guitar that comes in around seven minutes because I think that's the, some of the best guitar Rothers has ever played. I yeah. love love that guitar line well maybe that's what what i'm talking about i didn't i'm stupidly didn't write down the time there's this amazing kind of oh it's guitar that comes in around seven minutes how long is the song it's about 10 minutes something like that okay yes we're on the same page then wait wait no we're not i don't think we are because there's this amazing guitar bit that comes in that to the point that because it takes so long to get there i often skip to it um, oh wow! But it doesn't. I, I want that to carry on to the end of the song. You know, it's, mm. it's, it comes in when the the man up in the mirror building spooky. Mm. You know? Yes, yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Okay, see, so we like the same bit, but then it kind of goes into this, as you say, sort of instrumental bit. Oh, but that, I love that as that, well. That's kind of. Uh, I don't love it. I do because it, it, you know, just I stick with the, that. I love the guitar. Stick bit with that and... amazing guitar bit, and then don't go into that horrible kind of discordant. Because the no. song has been so pretty up to that point. It's and then it, it goes all sort of dark that feels like, for me, pulls her away from the message of the song. Don't like it. Okay, then. <laughs> yeah. When I say, again, that I feel neutral towards it, that's musically. I do actually really love the lyrics. I thought you probably would, because yeah. it's very you, very <laughs> spiritual. Yeah. Um... Well, let's stick... stick. Oh, let, let me just stick with the music then okay, for a minute. Okay, go on then. Very drum loop. Heavy, although Ian comes in again, kind of after you know, seven minutes, or whatever it is, yeah, uh, and plays along with it. Um, I think I, I don't know. I think it's it's beautiful. It's too long. It is too long. Um, mm. But for the most part, what's there, I think, is lovely. Mm. Uh, and as I say, you know, just for that bit of guitar, that bit, please, it I is wish, gorgeous. I wish that had developed. Just to see that develop for another five minutes would have been fine for me. Go and buy his solo album. <laughs> well, yeah, he hasn't got that bit of music on there. Um, but say as well, which which struck me as well, listening to it back recently, is despite the sort of uh, modern sort of drum rhythms here, mm. is how the guitar is classic Rothers. It could have come off of Misplaced Childhood. You listen oh, to it. Oh, I didn't. You go back that. and listen to it, and how the guitar it could absolutely be mis- off of misplaced oh but because everything else is so sort of lush mm. uh, and the production is so sort of different and modern modern for 2001 anyway uh i sort of missed that i had i hadn't noticed it until kind of recently listening back to this it's like oh this I is rothers being rothers this is this is proper rothers yeah uh, classic rothers yeah in, the, in a way that we haven't really heard since you know perhaps this strange engine you know the title track on that because uh, radiation he wasn't there meridian.com he got bullied out of <laughs> himself by h possibly allegedly <laughs> anyway i'm musically i think i like it but it's too long it was the track mm. that they released prior to the album online oh um, do you remember your first yeah i liked reaction it. to you liked it instantly and i thought that sounds like duran duran oh uh, did you yeah <laughs> I, I liked it and i still like it I would hear it live. I'd like to hear it live. I'd like to hear it live. Uh, 
yeah, both this and and for me, when I meet God and this, are sort of I don't know, they're the kind of the they're the sort of spine of the album, really. They're the hmm. they're the two tracks that the rest of the album for me revolve around. Oh. Uh, you know, the two kind of epics. Okay. Uh, I'm really surprised you don't like it more. Yeah, I do like it, but yeah, I don't know. I can't even say why. Okay. Maybe because maybe it was just the first half that brought the likingness of it down. Yeah. Whereas the first then the second I like. half, I don't know. Yeah, wise man once said. I said oh, oh, I, I love the lyrics. But, I love the. But the way I love the, the way he delivers them, the, the lyrics. Whole... Dreamy yeah. and ethereal, and kind of the. Yeah. I thought the music really works with the sort of spiritual lyric. Yeah, I suppose it is. It is quite dreamy. Yeah, Maybe I need to listen to it a bit more. Well, you. I mean, I don't. I'm making, been listening to it for it months. It makes it sound like I don't. <laughs> it's a bit late now to kind of go. Oh, I probably should have listened to it more. <laughs> We're actually on the podcast that you've been listening to. No, it for yeah, months. I know, but I don't dislike it. It's just not one of my favourites. Okay. That's you know. Fine. Go sorry. On. No, you disappoint me. I'm sorry about that. Yeah. Oh, What's well. it about, Sanya? Well, it's back to it's H coming back to his mystical best self, yeah. isn't it? He's he's being H again and writing about the dilemma of being clockwork in a quartz world. You think? Yeah. It's um it's it's him sort of saying there's a lack of balance in the 21st century between the right brain and the left brain and science versus mysticism and yin versus yang, male energies versus female energies. That's not like men versus women. It's, you know, the logical action side, which is the yang or the male energy versus the receptive, mystical, mysterious, artistic, abstract side, which is yin or the feminine. Which he defines, I think, here as magic. As magic, yeah. So, yeah, it's the, the, the age-old dichotomy between you. science and mysticism. Yeah. I love it. And I love how he's... I love... I love just love how he's expressed it. With words like a wise man once said that everything could be explained with mathematics. He had denied his feminine side. Now, where's the wisdom in that? Um, You know, these days, everything can be explained. It's all in the brain. But that that this ain't the way it was meant to be. And then he said he says, like, the universe seems to have been demystified. Where's the magic in it now? And he's acknowledging that we need both. We need magic. We can't, you know, when everything is explained, when everything, there's a logic behind everything, something's missing. Yeah. We, we need that mystery and that complexity. I think here as well, they he does talk at points specifically about love being magical, which is interesting because it's the second time on the oh. album. If you think back to Between You and Me, a song about being able to kind of define love oh. and define attraction and chemistry. Yeah. Here, you know, it's because, and I love this line, she shook, or these, these lines, she shook her head, she said, can't you see the world is you, the world is me. Yes. It seems like it's about two people. I was going to ask you about that. Well, it must have two layers then because he did have, he did have the verse above that that was like, um, 
she showed the, she showed the answer is something that can't be written down. Would you want to have kids growing up into what's left of this? Actually, I don't know if they're meant to be connected. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Okay, in the verse above that, when he said, would you want to have kids growing up into what's left of this? So ignoring that mystical, magical Mm. side has led to our world being devastated. And well, according to him. Well, there's the line that a man man in in the middle of his building, exactly, he just bought the world. Yeah, and the guitar, that guitar comes in and goes, meow, meow, meow. Oh, it's so and you good. Want the, you want the guitar oh, to extend. Oh, oh, that, please, brothers. Brothers will play more just for play you. Play more for me, brothers. That was really annoying. <laughs> it was interesting. Uh, oh, yeah. Okay, so well, I'm, I'm disappointed that you don't like that more. I thought you would. I, I know, and it may grow on me. I mean, well, this whole, wait, you've had look, months. I know, but listen to this. I've had months listening to this album, and it's only been in the recent few weeks that it has grown on me so much, and that I actually really love the album. It's a great album. So it's genuinely a great album. Sometimes things take time. Yeah, I don't dislike the song. It's a great I, album. I said I'd love to see it live. It's a great album, but it's a grower. It's a grower, isn't it? Yeah. It's a pure, pure grower. And now is when I come to appreciate when our friends say it took me 20 listens of the levers or whatever (laughs) to like it. Now I appreciate what they mean. What a shame, though. We can't just end the album there. Really? Really? Because this is my my surprise to you. You like it. I... I actually like If My Heart Were a Ball. Well, okay, I've got a surprise for you as well. Uh, I still don't like it. <laughs> no, uh, it's, it, uh, it's grown on me a bit. It's a bit. grown on me a bit. I don't How hate much? it. It's not a steamer anymore. I've taken, it off the, I've taken it off the steamer list. Now it's just slight diarrhea. No. <laughs> no I, have, you been, have we been listening to the same song? Because I was expecting to dislike it. I was aware of its reputation going in. I realised it was a lot heavier than anything else on the on the album. I was I bracing myself to not like it. Okay, it definitely has a bit of a ropey start. I'm not a fan of H screaming or shouting. Oh, I, was gonna, I was wondering when you were going to mention that. Yeah, we know that. But the chorus is amazing. It's so yeah, it catchy. Is. It is. I agree. It's, it's grown on me. But it I... kept getting... You know when I realised I liked it? I'd listened to it and it was quite early on. I think it was like on my second listen to the album... I caught myself singing it to myself during the day and I was like, hang on a minute, this is If My Heart Were a Ball. I think I like the choruses, but I don't like the verses. The choruses are several layers above in quality than the verses, that's yeah. true. Uh, and I think what happens is, you know, when he does the, okay, he comes out, when the way they come out of the choruses, I don't like. You know, if my heart, no, there I you love did, 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 did. Then that keyboard bit that goes, oh, I don't like it. Oh, well, I do. Uh, but I love but, how he stretches his voice way up high and expands it. And then they bring in the strings. Yeah. I love it. I like, the, lush, I like the lushness of it. Yeah. And it's uh, got a funky rhythm. It's got a funky rhythm. And then at five minutes, oh, four, that atmospheric change of pace. Yes. And then all the layers added to the music. It's it's exquisite. I love it. She was only dreaming. Yes, I think she so. I can't. Dreaming. She was 
you've not picked up on it yet. It's taken from Chelsea Monday. It's either what? and it, it's either Pete or Mick Pointer. They can't remember who it is. No way. Yeah. <laughs> I'm shocked. She was only dreaming. Didn't make the connection. And they've even Pete's even played the bass line live. No way. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's oh okay. Yeah, that's I, taking oh, me aback. I love that bit. I love that that kind of dreamy bit. But unfortunately, I don't know. There's just something about the song I can't. I still can't entirely get on with. It's like I've listened to it recently, and I don't know whether I I don't know whether I'm just used to hearing it because I've listened to it so much for this podcast, mm. and kind of it's and so I'm feeling it's become a bit more part of the wallpaper rather than a horrible jarring experience like I'd previously I had listened to it. I can't see what you mean. Or whether I am actually starting to warm to it. I don't know. See, it's that it's that 20 listens yeah. threshold. I don't Although know. Although I'm sure that you've listened to it more than 20 times oh, in all course. these years. Of course I have. Because, you know, you kind of... Maybe go, it's a 50 listen threshold song. But you kind of go, oh, they're going to play it live, so I need to know it. Uh, mm. I don't know. I, I, I don't... I don't hate it anymore, put it that way. Oh, well, that, that's already a big step. Yeah. That's uh, a big step. Can I ask you something? Yeah. It, does H think he's rapping in the last verse? I, well, I can't know. <laughs> Probably. Oh, God. He, uh, during that bit, apparently he felt it sounded a bit too Pink Floydy, and it felt like it needed something like a countdown or something like that. Oh, so okay. what he did was actually quite a David Bowie thing to do, which was he took words or lines from all the other songs on the album and chop them up oh clever yeah and so it sort of calls back to everything else on the album and also the track number one that's on the bonus disc which we'll take a look at next week that's really clever yeah oh good on him yeah it's it's, it works at least he didn't call it rapping so that's fine with me yeah he probably thinks it's rapping (laughs) scat <laughs> you need to make your own album of... own album of scat <laughs> <laughs> made a few films of that huh? you made what it doesn't matter they they, they get it at home. Oh. it's mm. poo where people poo on each other you've made films of, of it of course I haven't made scat oh, films okay. of course I haven't well, I hope not the whole idea of it disgusts me which means you oh, hope yeah, it's not you, you, actually, you, said that a, you actually said that in a genuine <laughs> I hope not way you can't even empty the cat litter tray without <laughs> retching also I don't want to be on I don't want to see myself on camera doing things disgusting <laughs> least of all that unbelievable I hope not well I, you better not have Unbelievable. So, don't know. For me, the jury's out. I'm glad you like it, though. Yeah. Because that'll make some of our listeners happy. I hope so. Uh, But, yeah, it's officially off the steamer list. Oh, brilliant. So, lyrically, I like the lyric a lot. Yes. I think we're dealing with a common H theme. What do you think? Yeah, I think we are. I think it's that monster stroke animal inside him again. Mm-hmm. I think it's also the theme that's come up in this album where I'm wondering whether it's a song about fear, but more specifically about being paralysed from acting on what your heart really wants to do. Oh, I Because s- you think what you should do is so different from that. So you dream of running, but you find that you can't move and you're stuck. Oh. And this is what I got that from the 
burst that that did you ever dream of running and find you couldn't move did you ever dream of running running scared ankle deep in glue yeah that bit and as as well as we must do what we feel we should we are told what is right need hurts within us we can see sense we can feel what feels right and so often these things are not all the same so it's like the ball heart rolling uphill <laughs> the ball heart <laughs> the, bo- <laughs> the ball heart rolling uphill maybe symbolizes this his heart wants to do the opposite of what it's supposed to so as in a ball because of gravity is supposed to roll downhill but his heart would roll uphill it wants to go in the opposite yeah. direction that yeah, it's meant it's, to yeah. and then what's mentioned again at the end Wild Rose. Yeah, but that's because he mentions everything. Oh, I was wondering if the yeah. song was like he really wants to be with whoever the Wild Rose girl is. Well, I, um, yeah, I, don't, I think I think you're you're more or less right. The, the, the only thing he's ever said about it is is it's about having a mad heart. I don't think that really does the song justice because I I saw. The, yeah, no, yeah, that doesn't do it justice. What you've just said has slightly changed my opinion on what the song's about. Because all that, that stuff, did you ever dream of running and find you couldn't move? Did you ever dream of running, running scared, ankle deep in glue with the monster after you? I saw that initially as being in a situation where you're going to do end up doing something you regret because the but monster's yes, going to catch up with you. But yeah. that situation could well be being in a marriage or similar, mm. a relationship that you're not entirely happy in. Mm-hmm. And so the monster's a constant threat. But the you monster know. could also be... His heart wants to go in one direction and it's the direction that is the opposite of what he feels he He should should be doing. And the monster is, if he follows his heart, it's going to ruin his life. Yes. It's going to like create chaos. Yes. As monsters monsters generally do. Both. um, (laughs) Unless they're lovely, nice monsters. Like like, Like the giant uh, anaconda. Honey monster or cookie monster. Cookie monster. Yeah. He's just going to eat all your cookies. Yeah. But that that is quite chaotic, particularly if you live in a bakery. So mm. (laughs) you don't want, if you own a bakery, the last thing you want is cookie monster getting in there. If you own a florist though, it's fine. He can just hang out with you. Unless he went mad ransacking the florist looking for cookies. True. That yeah, is true. Because he's an addict. <laughs> he'll say he'll never be honest and straight <laughs> with you. Addict. He'll never be straight with you, Cookie Monster. Because he or you know, he, he will just, just lie to get his cookies. <laughs> he'll say whatever <laughs> Whatever it takes. And he's emotionally stunted since he started on the cookies. <laughs> Which was about eight years old. Yeah. There's not a lot going on with really with him, is there? No, he's quite one one dimensional as a one dimensional. Yeah, terrible writing. <laughs> I mean, the Count, I mean, you know, he's multi-layered. <laughs> he's a vampire and he counts. <laughs> yeah, he's, he's double-layered. Does he? Is he a vampire? Yeah, of course he is. You never see him eat, drinking blood, do you? Well, I mean, it's Sesame Street. I don't know if they'd be allowed to put it on TV. And he's he out in the daytime. Blood. He's been, I'm sure I've seen him in the daytime. I don't think he's a vampire. Anyway, that's not really what this podcast is about. Overall, then, I'm going to say it's a hell of an album. Yeah, uh, me too. It's confident. It's authentic. It's so authentic. It sounds like Marillion, but modern. Yes. It sounds like them, but also moving forwards. Yep. Uh, it's a really strong album and better than I remembered. It's what I'll say. better than the first few listens of it. 
led me to believe. I think I was in denial at first. I was coming out of Marillion.com feeling a bit down, feeling very down and feeling, if I'm honest, a little bit put off. Yeah, so was I, as we know. And that clouded my first couple of listens. But the more time went on and the more I listened to it and was able to listen to it for what it is, for itself and not bring in the baggage from the castle era. Yeah. It was like, yeah, these guys have turned a page. But, but they felt that, I think, as well within the band. And it would only get stronger in the run-up to Marbles because we not only had another pre-order leading up to that, a top 10 single, lest we forget, uh, you know, and arguably their best album. We also had the Meridian Weekends happen between now and Marbles. So we're going to do an episode oh. on that. It felt like everything between the press that they got as a result of the crowdfunding, you know, the discovering a way to connect with the fans and frankly make money with the Marillion weekends. There was a a buzz about Marillion again Mm. that there hadn't been in, you know, years. Uh, So it was a really, suddenly it had become exciting to be a Marillion fan again. You know, Mm. it was a good album. And after listening to that album... I can completely understand why. Yeah. Because it's like, oh, they've come alive again. They are back to themselves again. But but that's because they discovered the crowdfunding and then the Meridian Weekends, which gave them the time to mm. work on that material. The double whammy of some creative freedom. Yeah, they had creative freedom again. They weren't they didn't have a gun to their heads telling mm. them that they had to write albums and had to write singles and Which is clearly how they work best. Yeah. Having they need that. Time. You know, some people work better under pressure and some people like Marillion clearly don't no. no they work better having freedom and no pressure damn right I think I'm just guessing maybe they waited till the last minute and did everything in <laughs> we don't know <laughs> we don't know but yeah it was a good time so everyone who was kind of a bit feeling a bit down about our negativity during the castle years it's just reflecting where the story really because Marillion were feeling down as well at the time they you know I read some quotes this week from them you know about how, about that era and how all of them were feeling jaded you know really? by the music industry and so they weren't their hearts weren't in it as much they were going through the motions because they didn't know what else to do mm. and then lo and behold they discover crowdfunding and, you know, we can't stress enough how important as well the Meridian Weekends are to, to yes. Meridian's bank balance. Yeah. Uh, but also they get to play big shows and they get, you know, on a big stage and mm-hmm. they Great get lighting. a ton of immediate feedback from people who are absolutely, as they call it, the Meridian family now. There seems to be a very strong sense of community as well. They so love each other. It's not like a bunch of yeah. strangers who love and admire a band, they also seem to have a connection with each other. This is what this is what started to change over the next couple of years, and it started here with Anarachnophobia, was that community cam- coming together. Uh, you know, it's, I've made friends that I've stayed friends with yeah, ever since true. during this next time. It's the most, I think, the most exciting time to be a Meridian fan was the early 2000s, without a shadow of a doubt. And we're, we're going to chart that, that journey over the coming weeks and months. So next week, post bag, I think. Anorectophobia post bag. So send us an email, beampod at gmail.com. We don't necessarily need a track by track 
breakdown from all of you and we can't promise we'll read everything out but if you just want to give us your general overall feeling of that time that would be great we've had a few letters not loads yeah uh, we probably scared them off i probably have well i know well three weeks worth of you know <laughs> we'll 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 do our best to get to as many as we can but we probably won't do three weeks worth of post bag yes uh okay. and then after that well okay let's do transatlantic shall we oh god i regret you, it you i regret it. it already i don't know why i suggested it in such a happy excited way and then uh i want to do meridian weekends the first Great. ones yep sounds good uh, then we'll we'll we're building up to marbles the big one times. that's going to take a while because it's a double album and yeah that's going to be a few weeks on marbles then least. I imagine yeah. and then post bag and then yeah there'll probably be a couple of weeks of post bag I suspect because if ever an album Deser- deserves yeah. it marbles, marbles deserves three weeks of post bag yeah anyway Anamatophobia better than we thought definitely well, well done Marillion. definitely Marillion are back woo <laughs> right we'll uh, talk to you all next week with the post bag Bye-bye. Bye-bye, everyone. Love you. Love you.